Don't you ever want to stop? Me, people? No. Lizard Queens, go. Hello, and welcome back to Scream 101. I'm Brennan. And I'm Sergio. And this is... A Break from the Norm. Well, um, I, I would disagree with that because I'm going to say we've done 10 of these things before. And by that, I mean Children of the Corn reviews. But this is a break from the norm in the sense that we're done. There's no more after this. Finito. Nusoms fini. No corn for you. Terminamos. No mas elote. Oh no! Well, that's sad. That's a bad. That's that's a sad fate. It's the same thing. No more corn. Uh huh. Um. You know what? Right off the bat, I want you to guess how many years it is until they're going to make another Children of the Corn movie because it's coming. Oh, four. Four. I'm going to say two, and it will receive exactly as little fanfare as this one did. Well, I don't know. We're living in the golden age of remakes. Now that Halloween just came out with all its glory. Oh, I really do hope that all of the slasher projects come out of the woodworks. That would be so happy for me. We could we could get another Scream remake. Into it. Mm-hmm. We're going to get another uh, Nightmare. We're going to pretend like that other one didn't happen. Into that, yeah. Uh, what's another one that we can see happening? No, I mean, Friday the 13th is potentially coming back under a production banner helmed by LeBron James because he can just do everything now. Oh, yeah. LeBron has money. He sure does. Welcome to L.A., Bron. Yes. That's some L.A. humor that only people who live in L.A. and see the traffic signs traffic signs by my home, my homeboy, Jacob, are sure. going to understand. Um, yes. Do you think in France they call him the Bron? Yes. Anyway, LeBron. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I totally see it. Okay, thank you. So, <laughs> we're here to talk about, in case you hadn't noticed, we're here to talk about Children of the Corn Run. No, we're just talking about LeBron now. This is a LeBron podcast yeah, all sure. day. What, all what's the he time. been up to? What did he have for lunch today? He's campaigning for Beto O'Rourke in Texas. So, probably some good barbecue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We used to have a good barbecue place down the street, but it closed. Well, just for renovations. It's not like a good it's Greek been place a month. was closed. It takes a while to renovate. Have you ever renovated? Maybe no. you should. Okay. <laughs> anyway. We'll call the Property <laughs> Brothers or whatever. Here is the plot of the um, the movie Children of the Corn Runaway as a read from the back of this Blu-ray copy that I... I'm sorry. I own this. Um, it happened. Um, Children of the Corn Runaway tells the story of young pregnant Ruth who escapes a murderous child cult in a small midwestern town. She's, she spends the next decade living anonymously in an attempt to spare her son the horrors that she experienced as a child. Ruth and her son end up in a small Oklahoma town, but something is following her. Now she must confront this evil or lose her child. Okay, so interestingly enough, this this main character of Ruth, this single mom who they're we're trying to make a Linda Hamilton, Sarah Connor type character... Um, she's actually an, a character from the original Children of the Corn short story. And she has appeared previously in the 2009 remake as Malachi's pregnant girlfriend who exchanges half a glance with him and is pregnant and mm-hmm. I don't oh. think speaks any words throughout the course of the movie. 
She just gives some good looks. Yeah, and I was reading a Wikipedia thing about it, and apparently there is a character named Ruth in part two also, and they're like, I guess that's her. <laughs> um, <laughs> that was just happenstance. Yeah, I assume so. There's um, only so many names in the English language that they could use. Yeah, exactly. Um, but no, this is a canonical Children of the Corn character, and this is a like canonical. straight sequel to the like short story Children of the Corn, which is an interesting take. We'll see if it took. <laughs> um, as always, we rate our movies on scariness, campiness, effects, and quality. I'm going to lead off with my scariness score, if you don't mind. Is that Go ahead. Okay. One out of five. <gasps> you weren't scared at all? No, what were you? When the little girl went to go kill people. Oh, you mean the girl in a yellow dress who is always fully lit and has no charisma and you assume is like the ghost or some sort of metaphysical manifestation of ruth as she kills her enemies and then turns out she isn't and then you're like wait but why is this little girl killing people and you never find that out yeah no i wasn't scared by her okay well that was pretty thorough and elaborate <laughs> um i give it a two okay what did that did that girl scare you maybe not that little girl specifically but there were certainly some kill scenes that had me like whoa um namely the spoilers spoilers the final kill scene where ruth gets what's coming to her oh yeah that was actually a good scene. That freaked me the freak out. I that was really surprisingly rated G for what came out of my mouth. Um, <laughs> yes, yeah, that really scared me because um, I did not see what her son was going to do coming. Yeah, um, I mean, you couldn't see anything in this movie coming because nothing really um, any has kind a cause plot. or effect or yeah. you know normal plot things. We don't know why but, any of the characters are doing what they're doing. Yeah, and in the beginning or in the end yeah um but yeah so the son does kill her and he stabs her through like the bottom of her jaw mm-hmm. and i don't know if i was imagining this or if it's trick of the light but it looked like you could see the knife blade through her you open could see mouth. it you could okay yeah. yeah it was it was intense that was good it was gross um but we'll get to my effects score i mean th- this movie just wasn't it, it didn't scare me the the creepiest scene in it is a callback to the diner scene from the original Children of the Corn. Uh-huh. Because it's her in a diner, and she's been haunted by these visions of sort of her past, but also her imagination of what it would be like if her past was coming back to haunt her. And so, It was weird. Yeah, so she's like, imagine, there's a bunch of kids that walk into the diner, and she imagines that they murder everybody. Uh-huh. And it's a really good way to like bring back the shadow of the original film and the best scene of that film slash mm-hmm. maybe the whole franchise. Um, and it kind of plays with your knowledge of that film in a way that makes it tense. Mm-hmm. But then it turns out it's just a dream. And guess what? Half this crap is just a dream. And I just, I can't, I can't with this. If it's mm-hmm. not in a nightmare and Elm street movie where the dreams have actual import, I'm mm-hmm. so bored. Yeah. Um, I see what, Okay, like dream sequences can count for something, but if you sparingly, like once in a movie, so much of this film was dream sequences and set off by a freaking locust. Yeah, she she dreams a locust that like the sound makes her hallucinate, I guess. Mm-hmm. But the locust isn't even real, so she's not like she's triggered by this. It's just she invents the locust also. Very conveniently, I might add. Um, so yeah, so the scare sequences that are the results of a dream are not really all that scary. And if anything, they can be kind of infuriating because you're left still trying to piece together why it is you should even care about these people. Uh-huh. Um, at least I was more than halfway into the movie. I was like, okay, 
why why am I supposed to care? Uh-huh. Um, what am I discovering with them? You know, what is it that they're hiding from? Why is it so important that they're going to set up roots? Uh, all these are questions we, that I guess I have that are never really answered. Yeah, because this kid, they've been on the road for his entire life, and he's 13, and he's like, I just want a normal life. I want to go to school. It's like, what kid has ever said this, first of all? Mm-hmm. Um, but also, how does he even know what a normal life is? I don't I don't get the impression that they've like met a lot of kids or people or whatever. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. Um, we need more context. Ugh. Well, yeah, for anything in this mm-hmm. movie. Um, we definitely need more context about this maid. Not the maid, this waitress. Yes. So there's a waitress. Her name is Sarah. She's a sassy waitress who is like, you know, salt of the earth. And she befriends the kid and the mom, even though the rest of the town's kind of turned against them. Um, what? I'm just laughing at the waitress. The thing is, I really liked this character when she first showed up. Like, she's she's supposed to be that um, kind of like crude, rude character with tood. Because she's, like, dissing one of her diner patrons, who is played by Clue Gulliger, who is the father of the director, John Gulliger. I'm rolling my eyes. And he played the dad in Nightmare on Elm Street 2, which we also watch for this podcast. Rolling so, my like, eyes still. Why? Because I know that? Because I'm tired. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, also, the, the star of the weirdest q and I've ever been to. Shout out to Matt Russell, who was there for that. Um, anyway. so Nerds! <laughs> um, so... Um, basically she like spills some coffee on him and she's like, Oh, that's for free, hun. But like she was doing it to kind of bug him and mm-hmm. kind of please the child and mom who'd been like insulted by him. Uh huh. One. Okay. One thing, this nerd, this wait, this waitress, uh-huh. she deserves to be fired. Oh yeah, of course. She's mean to everyone. She physically assaults them. Mm-hmm. No, at first I was like, oh, she that- burned one customer. No, that's what I was going to say. This is the part where it escalates too far for mm. little old me is where she this guy complained that his coffee was or his soup was cold or something. Mm-hmm. So she heats up the spoon over the stove and puts it in the in the soup. So he burns his mouth, which is that's that's like a medical problem mm-hmm. that she has created for this person. Mm-hmm. And spoiler, spoiler, spoilers. It does turn out that she's evil. But the thing is, I called that twist from a mile away because of the spoon thing. I was Mm -hmm. like, oh, I don't like Sarah anymore. (laughs) She's Mm -hmm. mean. That was the scariest part. I was like, I I can't believe she convinced me that I was going to like her. (laughs) Mm -hmm. No, you're right. Um, I could totally see this character like working in an old folks home, just abusing all these old people for being old because she's that evil. She really is truly evil. And I guess, okay, so this is what happens with her is like I guess she also survived the corn cult and she's mad at Ruth for like ditching him I guess Mm -hmm. and then in the end does she eventually sacrifice herself to the new kids who are in a cult or is she like just chilling with them because the whole point of the cult is that they don't have adults and yet she's like hey guys I'm here oh she gives birth to the new cult by virtue of having Ruth killed and making the son the new Isaac yeah, but the son was, like, all making out with the girl in the yellow dress in the woods. And presumably she was indoctrinating him. But also, who the hell was she? Who are her parents? The yellow I, girl in the woods? Yeah. Wasn't it her alter ego? No, she was a real girl. Oh. That was the, like, reveal that Ruth wasn't crazy. And that this yellow girl in yellow was not Ruth. Maybe it was the waitress's daughter. Did IMDb reveal any secrets or trivia? There's literally zero trivia on this film on IMDb. Nobody oh. cares. Well, contact the makers of this movie. I'm sure they'd be only too happy to tell you. I honestly think if I really wanted to, I could get in contact with John Gulliger. So maybe. So yeah, see? 
That's your pet project. Write that essay. Okay, sure. Um, so what's your campiness score? Um, Three. Three. Okay. Um, I'm going to give it a two just because I found it mostly too boring to be campy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but The waitress was really campy up until she, she turned evil. She was just so much. I did think... Maybe this is this was this um reveal came late in the film, so maybe I wasn't paying as much attention as I should have, but I'm pretty sure Ruth has been carrying around a lock of Malachi's hair with her this whole time. Oh yeah, I never noticed. Which no, you don't see it, but she like pulls it out at one point mm-hmm. and they're like, Oh, it's your ex boyfriend's hair and I'm like, you know what? If I could do that if if I had one keepsake from that original movie, it'd be Malachi's crazy hair, so I feel you. <laughs> um so that was fun. There's a weird part where her son makes a corn doll and she's like, where did you learn this? And it's a whole, I learned it from watching you PSA all of that a sudden. Was so dumb and so unnecessary. It was so weird. I loved it. Um, also, I don't know if this is just me always being inappropriate with these movies somehow. I did not find anyone attractive in this. Okay, I'm going to lead with that. But did you feel that there was maybe some sexual tension between the mom and the son? Well, certainly implied by like the the principal of the school yeah like it was i mean everyone else seemed to be picking up on it and i was also kind of like this son's really intensely staring at her mm-hmm. and she's not she seems fine with it mm-hmm. like it was it was creepy like i did think they were gonna kiss at some point mm-hmm. i mean it only makes sense when you think about it like like they're the only two people in each other's lives mm-hmm. she's fairly young he's coming of age his mind is warped because they spend just such so much time in close proximity with one another. Yeah, I don't know. It's messed up. Like it just I'm just glad you at least noticed. It was it just it was weirding me up. I mean, it was weird by my 21st century uh standards, you know, growing up in America. Although I'm sure it's not totally bizarre for like teenagers to sleep in the same beds with their mothers in some parts of the world. Okay, but 21st century standards, this movie came out in 2018. It is now. Okay, yeah. It is of the now. It was meant to be viewed through that lens, is what you're saying. I assume so. I have uh, no idea. Uh, yeah, no, it was meant to be viewed through a modern lens. Yeah, mm-hmm. because it it was shot on a modern lens. Like, mm-hmm. Oh, man. You know, you know, a cheap digital lens by that mm-hmm. is what I mean. Um, I'm just... I'm just so I'm so glad we're done with these. Mm-hmm. What's your effects score? Two, two. Um, I'm also giving it a two. The effects were solid, even if they were cheap looking. Yeah, there was a lot, a lot of CGI blood. Yeah, I was referring um, specifically to that CGI blood, especially during that diner scene you mentioned earlier. It, it is very obviously CGI, but if you if you want to deliver me torrents of blood at all, like I will, I'll take it. I'll mm-hmm. sign for that package. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's it's obviously super cheap, and it's mostly dream sequences where people are like dying in reverse, which kind of looks cool. Yeah, the first time it was cool. Yeah, but by the fifth time they do it over and over again, and then people start yelling at her about how she's a whore, and you're just like, what's happening? Yeah, did we ever get an explanation as to who those people were? No, she's staying in this house that you think is her creepy sexual predator boss's house at the mechanic shop where she works. Hey, he was a nice guy. No, he came on to her and then he fired her. She kind of wanted him to come on to her. Well, okay. For, wow. Okay. We're, we're stepping in some, uh, dicey territory. Did um, it seem that way? Though? She, no, she was consenting to his sexual advances, but, um, turned him down 
mm-hmm. halfway through because mm-hmm. her son was watching them and being creepy and I getting jealous because mm-hmm. you know there's weird vibes there. Um, but then he ignored her and fired her as a result of this, mm-hmm. which is inappropriate. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not saying she didn't consent to the situation mm-hmm. at in the first half, mm-hmm. but what he did was bad and predatory. Okay, no, no, I agree with you there. But I just remember her like uh, gonna go speak to the boss, and she was like in a smelly greasers outfit, like you know, like a grease monkey uh-huh. uh, mechanic outfit. And then she like went and like went to the bathroom and got all dolled up for him. And I was like, no, wait, she, I don't is she hitting she, on him? No, I don't think she got dolled up. She just hadn't taken a shower because she has no money, so she showered in the bathroom. And he was mad oh. that he used all the that she used all the soap. Oh, wow! Talk about seeing things through a different lens. You yes. show me the error of my ways. <laughs> I am repentant. Um, yeah, no, but there, there's some like uh, fun enough CGI kills or whatever. Like a kid rips out somebody's eyes, um, sort of. Um, the the one thing though is that when that boss character dies, like um, we do see all of all of Ruth's enemies are killed, and which is what's supposed to lead us to believe that like this girl is her. Um, and but that death is just so needlessly drawn out. First of all, that it becomes boring. Second of all, it just becomes miserable. Like, you're just spending so much time with this guy dying, and you're making a face. What is that? No, no, go ahead, go ahead. Okay. I'm having fun. Um, and, like, there's a point where he's in so much pain that he just vomits, and you're like, why am I watching? This isn't fun. Mm-hmm. It's just miserable. Like, his, the ending gore gag where he gets impaled on a pipe is kind of cool, but it's just, it's too much. It's just so grim. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I don't know. I'd give it a three out of five on effects if it wasn't so pixely, you mm-hmm. know? Um, was there an effects scene that stood out to you? Just the blood that I already mentioned. Okay. I mean, I thought the locust was kind of cool. Do you think they CGI'd the locust? Yeah. Probably, yeah. Where would you get a locust from? I don't know. Like, somewhere. The locust store? I mean, some sort of bait and tackle store. I have no idea. Never mind. Yeah. CGI. It was science class provide. No, whatever. Um, (laughs) Just go to the regular plague store. Yeah, sure. (laughs) Right in between frogs and famine. There's locusts on the shelves. If you're in the south, I'm sure you could just get one. Oh. Whatever. Neither of us know anything about locusts. No, we don't. For those of you pod listeners from across the country... Where does one get locusts? Yeah, can you just pick one up from the corner store? <laughs> um, anyway, wh- uh, what's your quality score for this movie? Uh, this is where it sucks to be in my position, being judgmental and judging. Uh, uh-huh. I'm thinking. Okay, um, do you want me to give you mine? Sure. I'm, I'm at a two out of five. Okay. See, I'm leaning on a two because the movie was bad. Or in that it had no plot and uh-huh. it didn't provide satisfactory explanation for the events of, well, the events leading up to the movie and also the events of the movie. Uh-huh. Um, it just left me wanting so much. But it was, you know, competent in being executed as a film. Like, there was nothing super yeah, bad. Um, I will say it is well shot. It is pretty well acted. I disagree. Really? Okay. In on whose part would you say? I thought the waitress was bad. Oh, okay. I uh, thought she. I thought Ruth herself was boring. Ruth is boring, but I think she, that boring character is brought to life by a good actress. 
in my mind. There is a part in the end where she's crying and telling her son to like run as far as he can away from here. And I'm like, she's acting way too hard for this stupid scene. Uh, the kid was annoying. I didn't really care for anybody in the movie. Um, I don't. I think I'd like these characters if they were in a plot that made sense and if they had any context, context or inner life at all. Mm-hmm. If it was less slow, I felt that we progressed very slowly. Um, it was a good twenty minutes. It could have just been cut out of them just doing boring There's things. Like a forty minutes that could be cut out of this movie. Um, it was just like non-action. Um, so you know, it gets points deducted for that. I feel I'm you. Hesitant to give it a three because I three. I feel like I could recommend no. it to someone. No, absolutely. I and I refuse. I I um. Oh I, I, wow, my my poli sci is failing me. I your veto. political science. No, I veto. I veto your score of a three of ever imagining that I could get a three. So a four. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha! You used your veto too early. Oh no. Um. Uh. Well, I guess it's a two. It's a two point five. Okay. I mean, I'm literally, I'm at a, I'm at a 1.5. So like, I want you to know this is a week two for me. Mm-hmm. Um, look, it's better than Isaac's return. It's better than revelation. Um, but you know what? I'm going to give you a nugget of information that I found out and we'll see how it changes your opinion on this. Go shoot. Um, this movie was written by Joel Swasson. S O I S S O N. Joel Swasson. Swasson. The guy who does easy on Netflix. No, Joe Swanberg? Oh, is that him? Yeah. Oh, so it's not him then. No. He was also in your next, right? Yeah, yeah. That was Joe Swanberg. No, this is Joel Swasson. Um, and he is the director and screenwriter of Children of the Corn Genesis, the previous movie we watched that made n- absolutely no sense. I th- And... I don't know why out of all the people who have previously written corn movies, they were like, you know what? Let's get this guy back again. Mm-hmm. He really knew what he was doing. Um, well, it was like, he's the most familiar with the genre. Everyone else is coked out. Maybe. And I mean, cause he's the director of this movie he's worked with before. He, he also wrote, um, Piranha three double D. Huh? Um, look, his, when are I, we watching that movie? Do you want to watch it? Yeah, for sure. Oh, okay. Sure. For for Choisson? <laughs> yes, that's entirely what I meant by that phrase. Okay. Um, yeah, no, we can watch it eventually. No, but literally his his credits are just an increasingly insane level of um, horror sequels. Mm-hmm. He's done Pulse 3, Hollow Man 2, Dracula 3 Legacy, The Prophecy Forsaken, Hellraiser Hellworld. Okay, MDB, where's this going? It's just exciting. He wrote a Highlander movie, Endgame. Okay. Back to the children of the corn. Anyway, so I'm just saying, do you think this is a better script of his than Genesis? Um, no, because I rank Genesis higher on my 10. Okay, cool. Um, I just think I, I think this movie has the bones of a movie that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And you're trying, like, you can feel that it's in there somewhere. Mm-hmm. Whereas Genesis is just like... It's like Harry Potter's arm after Ron with his broken wand tries to fix it. And it or no, Gilderoy Lockhart. And it turns all rubbery. Uh-huh. Like Genesis is all rubbery. And this one at least has bones, but it's still just a skeleton. There's nothing on the bones. It's just meatless bones. Um, I think this movie probably, if I'm being honest, it felt like it was written before it was attached to the Children of the Corn thing. So I, mean, I feel like it was the story of a runaway girl and her son, and then eventually, like they superimposed the corn 
onto it. Does that make sense? Yeah, like they wanted to remake it, The Road or mm-hmm. something, mm-hmm. or like a like a Leave No Trace or like a Terminator Two. Mm-hmm. Just a bunch of like parent child like they had this script about you know two runaways um on the lamb and then they were like we need it to another core movie and it's like i know exactly what's gonna happen i'm gonna change this scene and it's gonna be a cornfield uh-huh. you know yeah except there's very little corn in this also like there's corn in the flashbacks and nowhere else um yeah fair enough i mean that's how most of these scripts are made this is a dimension property still and they are pretty notorious for hitting up screenwriters and being like, hey, you have 24 hours. Give us a Hellraiser script. Mm-hmm. Um, so that probably is what happened here. So I guess it could have been worse. And it has because we've seen it. But it's still Not the worst one on my list. No. Um, speaking of, we are going to be ranking all 10 of these movies that we watched, which I'm very excited to hear your ranking. Um, right now? Um, in a sec. I just want to say here's how you can get in contact with the show. You can find us on Twitter at Scream101Pod. You can find us on Facebook at Scream101Podcast. You can email us at Scream101Podcast at gmail.com. Find us on iTunes. Subscribe, rate, and review. Give us five stars um, because we watched two times as many Children of the Corn movies as stars. And if we're not, you should be as dedicated as we are. Mm-hmm. Give us two five-star reviews. Yes, I did that. No, actually gave us one five and one four. Shh, spoilers. Um, not spoilers. Just seeing behind the curtain of how we boosted our ratings. It wasn't me. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, nobody knows. Sean Cody Jr. Um, so what we're watching next week. <laughs> Try to see if you can guess my other identity on there. <laughs> so next week we are finishing up another franchise with the Omen remake from 2006. So I guess you'll get to hear another list in such quick succession. How lucky you are. Oh, yes. I am ecstatic. <laughs> yes. Um, anyway, I guess without further ado, we should dive into our rankings of the Children of the Corns. Um, let's start at 10 and work our way up, shall we? First off, I want to hear what you guys thought. You who joined us on this journey. Yeah, please Email do- me your lists. See, I personally email Sergio. No, tweet at us. If you have a list, I mean, you shouldn't because you shouldn't have watched all these movies. But if you do, love to read it. Mm-hmm. Or just tell us your favorite or just, I don't know. Let may- me know who's right. Me or me. Brandon's clearly wrong. Tell us if we've inspired you to watch any of these and how mad you are because of that. Okay. All right. So without further ado, my number one is... No, number 10. Oh, number 10. So we're starting at the like bare bottom. You're starting... At, yeah. Let, let's end in a place of positivity. Okay. So my number 10 is Isaac's Return. Uh, that movie narrowly missed out my number 10 margin. Um, but I'm, I stuck with, uh, the seventh movie, which is revelation. The one in the apartment complex. I did decide that that was the worst one. I like that one a little bit. See the thing, like when I was watching it, I didn't feel as much pain as Isaac's return. But Mm -hmm. once I thought about it more, I was like, okay, no, Mm -hmm. I chose Isaac's return for dead last because I was like, I don't remember anything other than the fact that, you know, Isaac returned, Isaac returned. And that was it. So the thing is, he was in a dungeon or something. Uh, a basement? Who could care, yeah. In some sort of hospital that's orange. It's just all orange. Mm-hmm. Um, but Isaac's Return is sitting pretty at my number nine, um, which I bumped it up for the two scenes that I loved, the boy kiss and the scene where the girl's face gets split in half. And Revelation has no, no, no thing in that movie is as good as either of those two scenes. I liked when the girl... Was... Or Nancy Allen's hair. I liked when that one girl was taking a bath. And she gets drowned by cornstalks? Yes. Okay. The vines. It's still not as good, though. Okay. So my number nine is the remake. Oh, okay. 
is corn oh nine is that your number nine so yeah. that's appropriate so it just it just wasn't doing it for you at all no i felt like it didn't really add anything new it was boring it was not well done to me yeah i feel you uh my number eight is this one it's runaway okay i mean was, you know it's boring you heard yeah. me listen to everything that came before to see why we gave it number eight or yeah. why Brandon gave it number eight uh number eight i have the gathering Oh, that's so sad. Sure, the corn the Naomi four. Watts one, yeah. Yeah. Um, it ranked higher than the other two because it had some plot and it was actually a decent film. Yeah, it's objectively a better movie. It ranked lower than the rest because it was clearly a film not attached at all to the Turn of the Corn franchise. Yeah, and they did not even pretend it was. Yeah. Um, so that's why it ranked so low. Okay. Because it was pretty early on that we got this kind of a film. Mm-hmm. And you just weren't ready for it. Nope. Uh, was that your number eight? That was my number eight. Okay, so my number seven is Children of the Corn Genesis, the other Joel Swasson picture. So it is, I did think that one overall turned out better than this mm-hmm. one. I liked it. Yeah, it was, it, you know, we talked about it. It was like that roller coaster. It was fun. Uh-huh. Um, my number seven was Runaway. Okay, fair enough. Like, say no more, fam. Yeah. Uh, my number six is the Children of the Corn remake, which I think... Like, I, I brought this up. I thought it was better directed than the original, even mm-hmm. though it's not as enjoyable as the original. Mm-hmm. Malachi was enormous and hunky, and I was like, all right, let's 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 go for this. Yeah, and as someone who could care less about the 25-year-old Malachi in that movie, whatever, um, it didn't do it for me. Look, so that's I like me as, a ginger. As low as it was. So uh, we're on six, right? Yes. Um, so Fields of Terror was my number six. Okay, and that's actually my number five. Because cool. it's that is a very middling movie. Like that's exactly what it is, and it, it's whole identity. So that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can care for it. Yeah. Number five for me is Revelation. Oh, so it's that far up on your list? Yes, because you haven't heard it yet, so that's why it's this high up. Well, I, I forgot <laughs> that I hadn't. There's a lot of these. Uh-huh. Uh huh. My number four is the original Children of the Corn. Ooh, we're getting we're getting shoddy got low in this list. Yeah. Um, wow. That's so low for the original. Yeah. No, it, it is. That's a kind of a nice thing a little bit when the original isn't automatically the favorite, mm-hmm. because that means like everyone can kind of have a like a fun, different opinion about the franchise. Mm-hmm. But um, it's still not, you know, it's, just, it's kind of a cheesy, lame movie. Mm-hmm. And the effects are probably the worst of any movie in this franchise. Mm-hmm. That was your five or your four? That was my four. Okay. My four is uh, Genesis. Okay. So you were just, you were feeling that one. A little bit more than the rest. And I think the only reason why I truly liked it was because it featured uh, an actress that was, I first saw on The Office. Oh, yeah. You, so you felt that, that connection. Yes. All right. Uh, my number three is also this franchise's number three. It's Urban Harvest. Ooh, that's so low for that movie, in my opinion. I think it that one far and away has the best effects, but the plot hit me the least of the ones that I liked. Okay. Like, three and up is firmly in a camp of, I liked these movies pretty unequivocally. Mm-hmm. Four and below is like, eh, to abhorrent. Uh-huh. So my number three is Final Sacrifice. Okay, that was the second movie. Yeah. Um, Not the final movie by any stretch. Uh-huh. And it was pretty good. Um, yeah. I liked The Granny. Yeah, um, there's a bunch of grannies. One gets crushed by a house. One like gets one. thrown through the window of a bingo parlor. 
That one was also good. Lots of granny massacres happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, that movie is my number two because I just had such a good time watching that movie. Okay. It's a trashy, slashery sequel, and that's exactly what I needed and wanted and got. Okay. My number two is the original Children of the Corn film. Okay. So you have more respect for it than I do, I guess. Yeah, I'm like, it's this is the movie that inspired me to say, you know what, let's watch them all. So it deserves... So you a- should hate it. <laughs> yeah. I hold it accountable for all my... My sufferings these past three months. God, um, yeah. So, yeah. But, I mean, you know, it was fun. Yeah, yeah. We we had a good time, mostly. And so, your number one must be Fields of Terror? No, um, The Gathering. The Naomi Watts one oh, that you put so okay, low. Okay. I just, I was genuinely creeped out by that movie. I think, you know, it's a dumb Children of the Corn sequel, but I think... The, it's like a contagion, and that really speaks to what scares you. Yeah, subjectively, the way that I view horror, like Dizzy's horror, really gets me, and that's what that sort of is. Like, you, it's not like really a disease, but it's like it's got this crazy flu element, and it's got really fun gore effects, like that sickle that rises out of a puddle of blood and slices through the back of someone's skull. It's it's fun. It's a fun movie. Okay, guess what my number one is? Um, it would have to be Urban Harvest, wouldn't That's it? true. Which I agree with. That movie is nuts, and I really, really loved it. It was bonkers, and it was probably the only film out of the entire franchise that I was like, I want a direct sequel from this movie, mm-hmm. especially because they sent the corn That's to Hamburg or something. It was Hamburg? Yeah. Oh, somewhere in Europe. That would have been so good. In Germany, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, I'm ready. I was ready, but I never got it. Yeah, it been ready. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I feel like just like part seven, we have gotten many revelations from this list, but now it's time to go home and sleep. Now it's time to Genesis our way home. Oh, yes. And have a fields of terror. Okay. Um, <laughs> until next week where we finish up our Omen marathon. We're really, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're really like, you know, we're wrapping these up. We got to start some new stuff. Um, I'm ready for that. But until then, um, see you next week and good luck on your journey. Stay well, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. This episode was brought to you by Pod People Productions. To find more episodes of this show and others, please visit podpeople.me. It's podcasts for the weird at heart. Hi, I'm Brennan. And I'm Dave. And we are the co-hosts of Cast Party. It's a freewheeling pop culture conversation. I am an online media mogul. And I'm not. I'm a drama teacher. Yes. You, in fact, my drama teacher. We kind of transplant the conversations that we have every time we hang out into a podcast, and we hope you like it. Check it out. Enjoy. At podpeople.me. That was, that was really fun and not awkward at all. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>